Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into this edition of Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. Mark and Phil here once again to talk investing finance and retirement. And we're going to talk uh, tax tips we are firmly into tax season, I guess, now that we are into February. So I imagine, Phil, you're getting busier all the time. First of all, how you doing? Yeah. Doing really good. Doing good. Yeah, calendar's starting to fill up, tax appointments. So it's uh, people are getting their documents, even though they, the IRS did extend that out for uh, employers and yeah. custodians and everyone else to send the information. But yep, okay. so yeah. it is full swing. Full swing, yeah. And of course, you know, as a CPA and a personal financial specialist, you've been doing this a long time. So I'm yeah. sure uh, every year it's, it's kind of similar, but also probably new, right? Because there's always seems to be something. Yeah. Well, there's always something. I mean, this year was kind of the delay in, in you know, trying to get all the last minute pieces in play uh, right. from their end. So, but, and hopefully there's not the delay on the opposite end, although I'm starting to hear some rumblings of, you know, pushing out that deadline again. I'm like, oh, come on, don't do that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Well, let's share a few tax tips this go around, see if we can All help right. for 2021. Are these stimulus payments, uh, are they taxable? You know, what are the impacts there? Is there any information that we've we've been hearing in that case? No, they are not taxable. And it, this was something I'd, you know, talked with clients on early on, because that was the question that came up was, okay, am I going to have to pay tax on this? Right. And it played out kind of like I anticipated. I mean, of course, they they didn't tell us the whole story until you get the return and you start looking at the forms and okay, here's, but it played out just like I thought. It was basically a credit that's getting calculated on the 2020 tax return Okay. that is going to be the amounts of the stimulus so the 12 you know, and $600 amounts. And if you got more, then there's no repercussion. You don't have to repay it. Because that was one of the, the questions is because of how it all played out in the beginning of using either 18 or 19's tax return to determine that income threshold and how much stimulus you got. Right, right. You know, and then you get to 20 and your income's different. Well, how is that going to play out? You know, so the, it's not taxable to answer that question. No, it's, it's really a credit. And if you didn't get the full stimulus and you should have received more or you didn't get it for whatever reason on your tax return for 2020, there is a form that, that you'll walk through, actually just a worksheet that you'll walk through that'll recalculate what the stimulus payment should have been minus whatever you received. And if you do more money, then you'll get that So as a credit on the return. Uh, so let's talk tax brackets then. Any change, Phil, from 19 to 20? No, I mean, structurally, the brackets are still the same, um, but they do each year increase the brackets just slightly for inflation. You yeah. know, so for instance, the 10% bracket um, ended last year at 99.50 for singles, or I'm sorry, it was 98.75 for singles, 99.50 this year. So I mean, it's just, it's up a little bit. Okay. And they do that each year just to make sure that if you're getting cost of living adjustments, things of that nature, you don't get pushed into the next bracket just because of normal inflation happening. So, but yeah, structurally the brackets are all the same. Um, And at least the way they stand right now will be that way until 2025 when the 2017 act expires. Right. That's what's on the books today. So as of now, we've got a long way to go to see what what happens between now and then who knows, but that's where, where we're at today. Okay. 
Um, Charity, so part of the CARES Act, I wanted to bring this up as well, uh, allowed for an additional $300 in donations, uh, even if you chose the standard deduction. Uh, could be a little extra for somebody, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a little, I mean, it's not a lot, it's $300, but hey, every dollar counts, right? Okay. And it, it's what they call an above the line deduction. So you don't have to itemize um, to, to get this benefit. So right. and this is, you know, where a lot of times I see this coming into play is for those individuals that they've not been near that threshold, you know, of twelve dollars to $24,000 for that, that uh, standard deduction. So they've, you know, stop tracking what the, the, uh, the deductions were that they gave to charity, but right. maybe through your payroll, you've had a deduction going to United way or some other charity. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, um, if that is the case, make sure you bring that up to your preparer this year, because up to $300 and, and it's gotta be a cash deduction donation. Right. I mean, yeah. Okay. You know, so if you do have that, then it's an above the line deduction, um, which, for Michigan actually benefits now the states. I mean, it's the first time you're actually kind of benefiting from the, the state standpoint on a charitable contribution, oh. albeit very small, but yeah, sure. But like you said, every dollar counts, right? Right. So right. Anything we can do to lower our taxable uh, amount is always a good thing. So RMDs, obviously part of COVID part of the secure, or well, cares act was yep. to suspend RMDs last year. Correct. Conversation yet that we're seeing, hearing on the pipeline that that might be the case again for 21 or no? Not now. I mean, right now, the way it stands is we're back on for RMDs. So you have to take them by the end of the year. Okay. Um, my recommendation would be if you don't need the money, don't take it. Wait, you know, sure. because the, the um, RMDs technically don't have to be taken until the end of the year. I mean, they, you have to have the money taken out of the account by December 31st. So you've got time. Yeah. Um, last year, they actually gave a small window that if you had taken the money early, you could put it back, you know? So right. if, if you caught that quick enough and you'd taken the RMD early to be, be proactive and then really didn't need the money, they did allow you to put the money back. So it's easier if you just don't take it and kind of wait to the end to see. So well, people get a little confused on this, so especially with the fact that it got waived for last year and, and the fact that they had literally just changed it at the beginning of last year. To yeah, so there was a couple of quick changes, yeah. Yeah, so how does it fall then? So let's say just for hypothetical, let's just say I'm turning 72 um, in June of 21. That means I have to take it this year, correct? This year, yeah. So it, that was one of the changes that, that came through when they they changed the RMDH from 70 and a half to 72, which that whole 70 and a half thing was always kind of a goofy scenario to figure right. out, okay, when is the year that I have to take the RMD? Right. You don't have a half birthday. <laughs> you know, but now, now it's pretty easy. Whatever your birthday is, you're 72 in that year. So you have June is your birthday, 72 this year. By December 31st, you have to calculate and or have taken that RMD out. Okay. So. so calendar year applies. Now, does that does it throw a monkey in the wrench at all because of last year? If you turn 72 in December of 20? No, it just means if you were 72 last year, then that was waived. It just didn't happen. You don't have to worry about it. But you got to do it this, this year. year. You're 73. So yeah, now you go to the table and figure out what your life expectancy factor is for 73. Okay. Because whatever your birthday is this year. So, but that brings up another kind of interesting point off to the side um, relating to RMDs is the IRS hasn't changed the life expectancy factor for years. 
And they actually, in, in the fall, in November, introduced um, some proposed regulations that are to become effective this year if they pass, Okay, which will push out the RMD age. It's around two to, to three years, kind of depending on age and where you're at and whether it's an inherited IRA or not. So, Interesting. but yes, I mean, it's, it's, they're finally kind of catching up, you know, life expectancy has been growing <laughs> so um, or extending, I should say. And, and they're finally saying, okay, we're going to recognize that and push out life expectancy a little bit more. So for instance, at 72 under the old tables, 25.6 was life expectancy right. under the new it's 27.3. You know, okay. so what was that one point uh seven years, something like that? So, something like that, yeah. So now if they'll only start to apply that logic to social security. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't don't push it. It took them this long just oh, to get yeah, to the right. you know the RMD tables. Whoa, let's, not, <laughs> let's not get crazy there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um so, home offices. Anything changed there, obviously, because of so many people then working from home. I, I'm curious about that. How does that uh, as a small business owner, you can do that. Can you do that if you work for an, a, another company that's obviously forced you or you've been forced to work from home? Unfortunately, no. So, I mean, that was one of the changes that came through a few years ago when they you know, introduced this larger um, standard deduction. One of the things that they changed in itemized was what that we call the miscellaneous itemized deductions. So those items that you had to have more than 2% of your income to, to deduct. Right. So employee unreimbursed employee business expenses is kind of where this would have fit. Meaning I'm an employee, I work for a company, you know, and um, under the old rules, having be, being forced to work at home. Yeah. Now you would qualify because it's not because you're doing it. It's because you're getting forced to do it. So it's, it's a deductible expense. Okay. Unfortunately, though, the way the rules are now, that whole category is still not allowed. So there are a few exceptions to that, but they're they're you know kind of those out there scenarios that it doesn't apply to to people in general. So okay, but, All right. Um, it, I know that confuses people, and a lot of I've heard a lot of folks say, "Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to a couple extra things that I can maybe do because of having to work from home this year." And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to actually be a small, a small. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you're not getting paid on a W2, if you're being paid as, as an independent contractor, yeah, right. it's a whole nother game because right. now you're a business effectively. Yeah. And yeah, the, the rules are completely different. So it yeah. does qualify that. So, so I mean, if you are an independent contractor yeah. and working out of your house and it qualifies as that home office, absolutely. It's something okay. to consider. So good to know. Uh, any filing advice that we should think about? I mean, obviously, you know, and I'm curious as to how all these big block, you know, kind of uh, software based things are going to, you know, deal with all this stuff. I started using a CPA a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's a little, it was a little bit more costly, but I got to tell you, cause as you're, you know, as I'm aging, you know, I, I have a few more things here and there, nothing massive by any means. I still, you know, still go to my regular day job and work and all that kind of stuff. But it's you, there's so many little facets as we start to age. I've actually found the CPA to be really beneficial versus trying to do the whole turbo tax thing and yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of comes back to, you know, investing, right? I mean, there's some people that just like that piece of it and they wanted to do it. I mean, if you're pretty basic tax return, I mean, in retirement, you're getting social security and a pension, right, yeah. little interest dividend, you know, I mean, there's not a lot going on. 
I mean, frankly, as a CPA, there's not a lot of value I can bring to that from a tax quote unquote preparation standpoint, you know? I mean, if you enjoy it and want to go out and buy the TurboTax and do all that, you know, yeah, probably makes sense. You know, for most of our clients, we're doing the tax returns because behind the scenes, we've done a lot of tax planning. So we might be doing Roth conversion. So there's a wrinkle that's a little bit more difficult. I mean, yeah, TurboTax can handle it, but you've got to understand what it is you're trying to make it do. Because at the end of the day, TurboTax is a tool and garbage in, garbage out. I mean, if you don't put it in the right way, you're not going to get the output come out the right way either. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yes, I mean, it really depends on your scenario. Um, it doesn't hurt to, to work with a CPA. Um, you know, if, if you either just want to get out of it and not, not deal with it yourself, or especially if, if hopefully you've done planning, I mean, that's really where the advantage comes in is more the, not the preparation, the compliance side of it, so to speak, it's the planning side of it to understand how this looks long-term. So tax prep versus tax planning, uh, especially for our demographic, for what you do, your client base and the folks that we uh, probably reach out to when it comes to the type of content we cover, tax planning is really where it's at. Prep is what we do for the April thing. And it's really, it's just really recalling what happened. Whereas right. planning is planning for the upcoming year and how to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. I mean, the, the tax preparation is memorializing, so to speak, you know, okay. what took place. I mean, it's, you know, here's what it is. I just have to put it on paper and put it in the right spots and get it reported to the IRS. That's really all you're doing on preparation. I mean, there's a few things at the end of the year, you might be able to do IRA contributions, things like that. If you're still working, that can happen kind of after the fact. Right. But the vast majority of items that get reported on a tax return get closed out with the calendar year. So if they didn't happen by December 31st, there's nothing you can do in January, February, or whenever you're filing your return to change it. It is what it is. Okay. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, that's where the, the planning kind of precedes. And that's what I was saying before, you know, a lot of our clients, yeah, we're doing the the compliance, so to speak, the, the preparation, Right. Because we've done a lot of planning ahead of with them and we have certain strategies in play that it just makes sense okay. you know, to, to kind of finish it and make sure everything gets reported the right way. But, All right. So that's our tax tips for this go round on the podcast. So uh, it is that time of the year. We're starting to rock and roll with all that information. If you need some help, as always, reach out to Phil. It's on the screen. If you're checking us out on YouTube or uh, social media, Facebook, whatever you happen to find us on, it's 248-888-7530. If you are listening to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, so on and so forth, 248 248- 888-7530. If you've got some questions, need some help, find all of that information on how to follow the podcast and get in touch with Phil and learn more and check out past episodes and on and on and on at philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. And we will see you next time here on the show. As always, Phil, thanks for your time, my friend. We'll catch you next time right here on the program, folks. Stay safe and sane. Until next time, this has been Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.